Welcome back to the one, two Kentucky blue podcast. I am your host coach John Spurlock. Thank you so much for listening in today. Today, my guest is our head coach for our volleyball team here at the university of Kentucky coach Craig Skinner. Craig, how are you? Doing great, John. How you doing? Doing very well. Very well. Uh, how's the COVID-19 life going for the Skinner household? <laughs> it's, it's been, it's been good. You know, I can't complain. I mean, sure. There's, there's space limitations and, Everyone's, you know, in the house and all day long and every day becomes a similar day to the last one. But, um, you know, our, our kids have done a really good job of staying busy and especially with school, you know, projects and stuff going on. And they're, they've all kind of written out their own workouts. So you would be proud of that. They have awesome. routines they're doing each and every day and uh, exploring uh, a lot of different things to keep us busy. And Megan, you know, and I are... Uh, We've gone uh, however many days this is. I guess it's March 12th or 13th. We've every single day we've gone on at least a three-mile walk. So um, our dog loves us right now, and I don't know what she'll think at the end of it, but we'll see. <laughs> That's awesome. So how old's Eli? So he's your youngest. Eli's 10. So Eli's 10. So he's pretty self-sufficient. I'm on the other side where my youngest is four, my oldest is seven. And the only thing I'm allowed to teach is gym class because I should not be teaching any young student on the reading phonics or math in general. So, you know, my, my uh, duties as a homeschool teacher chime in about one or two o'clock in the afternoon when the, the sun's out, it's nice weather and we can get outside and run around and uh, play some sports. But it's good to hear that everything's good with the Skinner kids. Oh yeah. Well, you're still, you're still cool. You know, be with kids that age four and seven. I mean, dad is like the coolest thing ever. So you can get them to probably do about anything in gym class and whatever else you might think. I'm sure you could probably take them fishing or something. They would love that too. No, we've done that. We've gone outside and made up games, played tag. Yesterday we had a, a, a Nerf war. So we got the Nerf guns out and, you know, <laughs> acted like idiots and ran around the house and the backyard. So uh, it's been uh, fun. It's been fun, but keeping them on task with their schoolwork has been a real struggle. I can imagine. Yeah. I can imagine. So let's dive into this, and just it's to give our listeners, yeah, yeah, to give our listeners a little bit of perspective, we've highlighted our performance team. So we've had Coach D and Coach Wood from Strength Conditioning, Katie Poole from Athletic Training, Monica from the Nutrition Standpoint. We even had Macy Morris on, who's a former student athlete, and now. With you being on here, I really want to get your thoughts on uh, to get the head coach's perspective. And you've been at Kentucky for longer than I have. So your first year was 2004. Is that correct? Uh, 2005 was the first season. I guess I was hired technically in December of 04, but um, first season was 05. And you've done a lot of great things since you've been at Kentucky. So the past three seasons, you either had a share or won the SEC championship outright. Uh, but first thing I want you to talk about is, you know, back in 2004 and 2005, looking all the way to 2020 now, what have been some of the changes from a performance standpoint that you've seen in Kentucky that has made an impact on your program? Well, first of all, uh, what we're talking about here is probably one of the most important things 
for me as a coach um, that has taken advantage of. And, and when I came to interview, I was probably on campus for about four hours, maybe three when I came to interview. And, and the, the only person I requested to interview, well, two people I requested to interview with were the academic advisor and our strength coach. And the strength coach at the time was um, Steph Simmons, Steph Tracy. And, and because I just felt how um, critical that was to development of athletes, um, both physically and mentally. And on the mental side, I just strongly believe that confidence, a lot of confidence stems from fitness. And um, as an athlete and a player, fitness has to be, you know, you can control that. And our program and you leading it has, has had a significant deal, but the, it has started from all our weight activities being done in Shively. And really that's pretty much it. Um, we uh, we had a GA trainer at the time. Now we have a full-time trainer in Katie Poole. We had no nutritionist, so to speak of, other than probably one on the university side. And, um, you know, so Monica's program has been significant for us. And then, you know, on the mental side and competitive edge, you know, competing side, uh, Dr. Cormier and, and the balance of all that and the people that you brought in your program, um, there's really no excuse for our players not to take full advantage and not to be the most physically fit people they can. And, and um, it's been a group effort, but, you know, the, the combination of the Joe Craft Center, uh, Nutter weight room, uh, the stadium, um, sand workouts to the, you know, all the things that uh, we've encompassed has been significant in our athletes development from the day they walk on campus to the day they leave. That's awesome. You know, one thing as I think back to your team specifically and thinking about from a performance standpoint, what was one of the things that I feel like helped your group get to the next level in terms of winning multiple SEC championships was their buy-in to our nutrition program. And I can't remember if I brought this up with Katie when she was recording her podcast with us, but you know, as I look back to five years ago, like the 2013, 2014 team, you know, we were essentially begging them, like, you have to fuel your body, you have to eat, you have to eat the right things. And now, and it's probably because it's, uh, you know, nutrition as a resource in terms of Monica and her staff, and then the actual food we have and the fueling stations, it's, it's in an abundance. But you know, our volleyball team has bought in so much to fueling their body, doing it correctly, taking initiative and, um, you know, scheduling meetings with a dietitian, even if they don't have to, just to make sure that uh, they're, they're on the right path. I think that's one thing that kind of helped your group get over that hump and start winning those SEC championships. But what are some of the things that you feel? And, it, and they could be outside of strength, conditioning and performance. But what are some of the things you feel really helped your team? Uh, start this run into winning multiple SEC championships? Yeah, just quickly going back to your point on that. I mean, 10 years ago, there was a huge stigma on nutrition and, and especially in female sports that if you're talking about nutrition, it means you're accusing players of being fat or out of shape. And, and so now that we've gotten past that and there's an understanding that nutrition is, is your fuel and it, it's an asset um, and the right people involved in it, can really make huge strides. And again, it has a, it has a lot to do with mentally how you're feeling, how you're uh, using the fuel and it makes you feel, you know, good about uh, your performance and your body and, you know, all that type of stuff. So 
the combination of what you guys do in the weight room led by you and then Monica and her staff, um, you know, really adds to uh, performance. Uh, but out, you know, outside of those things, you know, which is, is really a baseline. I mean, you have to have those things to be able to perform at the highest level. And the further you get up the food chain in terms of performance, the more serious you need to take those things to make those micro improvements that helps you become a competitive team to compete for champions to actually winning the championships. And obviously our goal now is to, you know, compete and win for a national championship. Um, but first of all, talent, I mean, we all can't be really good at something unless we have talent and we've, our staff, uh, Anders Carly and, and, you know, has, has really done a, a good, great job of identifying talent. And it goes back to our staff before when Lindsay was here and before she left for Oklahoma, but the combination of us really taking recruiting seriously and finding point scores that can win matches for us uh, at the end with, with kills and blocks and aces, you know, th that's the first thing. The second thing is I think we've done a much better job of coaching the mental side of the game. Um, but your, you know, weight room, your performance, your uh, collective group of uh, identifying how it's important to be successful in the weight room and nutritionally and mentally. Um, and then us as a staff, you know, identifying that, you know, you really have to be present each and every moment to be the best. And so trying to figure out how to coach that, we've done a better job of that. And I think one of the most critical roles is, is, is leadership. Um, and I don't identify leadership as only seniors or only upperclassmen, the leadership by our players to buy into the team concept that is way more significant than my individual role. Um, and by being able to do that, that really allows you to have practice that is intense, meaningful, uh, and it is probably uh, as hard or harder to win in practice than it is in matches. So I've spewed a lot of things there, but there's it, it, it's hard to pinpoint one thing, but all those things I really feel have been significant uh, in our success the last few years and will even become more significant as we try and make the next step. Absolutely. One thing you mentioned um, that just spurred this thought in my brain is you are definitely one of our head coaches at Kentucky that values our sports psychology um, department so much so dr cormier and he'll have you know scheduled meetings with the groups one thing i really enjoy about cormier is after he gets done talking with the team i like to pick his brain and incorporate whatever message he was trying to send them or whatever um maybe activity he wanted them to do and incorporate that into their weight room or whatever they're doing for fitness but kind of talk through with me your, your thought with, you know, using him as much as you do and how that relationship started. Yeah, I mean, it, it's funny because, um, you know, as coaches, we're a little bit control freaks. And, you know, for, you know, we've, we've had success ever since I've been here. We made the NCAA tournament every year. We've competed for championships and winning championships. You know, you have to let go a little bit as a coach. You have to trust your staff, immediate staff. You have to trust um, you, you have to trust nutritionists and you have to trust someone with your team to be able to send a message that uh, can be congruent with what you're trying to get out of the team. But, um, you know, I, I read a lot, not a lot. I, let me back up. I, I read things that interest me and I wish I could read this myself to read a little bit more. But 
most of the significant moments that have happened in our program has because something I've read or seen on a documentary or video or something. And there's a book called The Mindful Athlete that I read a few years ago. Um, and it, it really kind of set in motion for me how important mentally being engaged in, in the current moment is. And so I reached out to Dr. Cormier, who had already reached out to me a couple years beforehand. Um, and we sat down for coffee and we started talking about that and significant other things to do with uh, performance. And, and, you know, we, I think we, he jarred my mind and he, you know, I trusted him to communicate with our team. And, um, you know, so in fact, I've been meaning to meet with him the last couple of weeks and just haven't gotten to it, but I'm going to here soon. But I, I think it's uh, the more resources you have as a coach and Dr. Cormier being one of them of just opening the door to how do you train the mind? How do you get your mind to think in a way that helps you, not hinders you? Um, and, you know, individually, it's helped some players. As a group, it's, it's helped our team. And, you know, some, some things are better than others. And some years are, every year is so different. Every team is so different. So you have to pick and choose what value uh, you can place on it and how, what you can gain from it. But there's no doubt that uh, being better mentally and the assistance of Dr. Cormier um, and our staff has been uh, significant in helping us the last few years. And I think his presence um, with the team and the talks he's had with them have been, has been one of those things that just gave us a little bit of edge so that you guys could win back-to-back-to-back -to -back -to -back SEC championships. Another thing that comes to mind um, specifically with strength and conditioning, and you mentioned that Steph Tracy Simmons was in charge of the, the strength and conditioning program when you first got to Kentucky. And I look back at Steph's schedule and how many teams she had. So she had volleyball, softball, women's basketball, um, swimming, uh, which was uh, the men and women's team on top of, you know, your mid-distance swimmers and your sprint swimmers. So that's multiple programs right there. It, and looking at the teams that I have right now, our staff has grown. I've been able to delegate. So right now my two teams are your team, the volleyball team, and women's basketball. So me just being more present with your group, um, us being more flexible. And one thing I know we've talked about is back in the day, even four, five, four, four or five years ago, our time was set in the weight room. Uh, mostly that was because maybe a facility limitation or I just couldn't, I didn't have any flexibility with my schedule. And that was typically early in the morning. Um, you know, sleep wasn't really a pri priority that I was concerned with. I know you were because you, uh, you always bring it up a lot like, hey, do we need to be getting up early? But now that my schedule is a lot more flexible, if we need to move, move a lift or a session with me to the afternoon, we can that allows our team to get more sleep, to recover better, to be more mentally prepped for the entire day. So I look at that kind of being a couple things that kind of gave us an edge to move the program forward. And you mentioned that, you know, the next step for Kentucky volleyball is to go to the final four, uh, win a national championship. What are some other areas do you think that we still need to get an edge in to, to make that leap? Yes. I mean, it's, you know, the, the great question, right? I mean, we're, we're in this sort of power five school. We've done a lot of significant things. We're, 
we're always striving to be better and, and all the teams at our level and even be, you know, that aren't quite at our level yet are, are thinking about those types of things. But, you know, the trust that our players have in you and like you talked about the last few years, being, being adaptable and, and changing a little bit and tweaking a little bit here and there, finding the right things to push the right buttons uh, with individuals and our team and being flexible. And, um, you know, those have all been added to our ability um, both to, 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 to add layers to each player individually, to add layers to our program, uh, add layers of confidence, um, taking the big swing at the right moment when the game is on the line and, and having no fear. Um, you know, and I'm rambling here, but I'm, I'm getting, trying to get to a point. I think the, the, you are, you become your habits and as a coach, as individual players, as strength coaches, as nutritionists, as our athletic training and you know, mental coaches, we have to become our, we have to make our habits, uh, championship habits, you know, from getting up in the morning, being prepared, mentally am I in the right place? When I'm in the weight room, am I doing everything in my intentional and purposeful and everything I do when I get to practice Am I purposeful in my pepper and my warm-up? Uh, do I put the team before myself? Do I criticize or blame others? Or do I take responsibility to get to the next level? Do I, do I try and get enough rest where I can be physically and mentally prepared for the next day? When I'm warming up for a match, am I, is that match the most important thing for me to be preparing for right now in this moment because it's going to give me a chance to be successful, but more importantly, to give my team a chance to be successful. And each and every match becomes really important. And another thing is that we have been in these matches. We have played against the best teams in the country. And that our players understanding that we belong here and we belong in the conversation of the Stanfords, the, the Nebraskas that have won the last few national championships to compete and win, win the whole thing. And, you know, believing that you're there and, and performing. Uh, and knowing that we've put our, we've worked so hard to do that, and our habits over time have become uh, our championship habits, and we're doing those repeatedly over and over and over again. And right now, our players taking it serious. And hey, today I have a chance to make myself a little bit better. Am I doing or am I not? And so, plotting out our habits throughout a segment of the year, plotting our habits each and every week. Um, and then the, allowing those to build up by the, the apex time, once performance time, the end of November, again, beginning of December, that mentally I know I've done everything possible and I'm ready and I cannot wait to compete for the championship. So long-winded answer, but making championship habits and that's how we become those habits, which makes us individually better and celebrating what our teammates are doing because we can, no way we can do this alone. That's awesome. So kind of switching gears a little bit, we've been in the, this COVID-19 life for, uh, it's been three or four weeks, I've lost track, but what, what does it look like being a head coach? Uh, previously on this podcast, we've talked about the struggles of being a strength coach right now and an athletic trainer or, or a nutritionist. As a head coach, what, what's happening? What's the struggles? Um, what have you learned from this? Yeah. It's, um... But, you know, I, I think every head coach right now is trying to figure out what that means and what it means for us 
and our programs and our teams and our players. Um, I think the first thing that came to my mind when you brought that up is, is trust. And we've recruited a lot of really good players. We've recruited a lot, not just players, but people with high character. And as a staff, we are trusting that they are going to do whatever they can to give themselves the best chance to be ready when we're able to get back together on the court and play. And in these environments and situations, the cream's going to rise to the top and the people that perform are going to perform when they're asked to. Um, but, you know, breaking it down a little bit, each week we're meeting with the position groups, you know, for probably 45 minutes uh, the week. We're asking them to watch some. Um, we're doing some things off the core. We, we uh, you know, we're going to try in our program and each staff member in our program to put together and, um, and you know, do a lot of different things to stay connected. I mean, really, it's, it, it comes down, it's, it's about the people and, and, you know, are you willing to put your team before yourself and, and during these moments and times, um, you know, are you, when no one's watching, you know, that champions are made when no one's watching and Muhammad Ali, you know, you know, talked about that all the time, you know, what are you doing in the dark? What are you doing when no one else is watching? And so I trust our players. I, I have full confidence that they are doing everything they can uh, right now to um, do the best they can in the current situations and what they have in their surroundings. And, and so, um, you know, in the recruiting process, we really try and identify players that uh, you can trust in the moment you can trust in obviously serious pandemic situations like this. That's awesome. Um, one thing you mentioned earlier is you, you said you don't read a lot and I beg to differ. I think you read <laughs> a lot, but I think you are very intentional with the, the content that you are reading. Um, and you are somebody I often go to that's, and I'd be like, Hey, wh what are you reading? You got any good books that you've, that you've finished? Um, you know, some of the ones that I know you've recommended are chop wood, carry water. Uh, you recommended that book. And I think even Cal, Coach Cal put it on Twitter and credited you for that. And, you know, that, that was an awesome book. But now that we got a, a ton of time on our hands, uh, what are you reading? What are you listening to to grow as a leader and a coach? Um, you know, a couple things, I guess. I, I saw a book that uh, Commissioner Sankey put out. It was Lead Yourself First. Uh, that I'm, I'm slowly reading through that. And it talks a lot about decision making and being able to make decisions uh, in crunch time. And one of the things that the book was really emphasizing is, you know, to be able to make decisions, to be able to think through processes, you need to have some solitude and you need to have a time during the day where you're on your own, whether it's running or um, uh, reading a book or playing the piano or walking or meditating or whatever it is that you can really critically think about things that are important to you on this particular day. So I, I like the message and the concept of that. Uh, kind of a fun book I'm re looking at kind of in conjunction, I've kind of stopped reading is um, What the Dog Saw by Malcolm Gladwell. He's had a lot of books in the past that this one is more, you know, weird things like one of the chapters is why there's way more flavors of ketchup or mustard than ketchup and what the thought was of why that, why that occurred. I mean, just, you know, weird chapters like that. And, um, I did, I listened to a podcast yesterday by Molly Fletcher, who's done some really good ones with a lot of people in our sports industry. And she has one with, uh, Holly Rowe, who a lot of us know, 
as an ESPN announcer and, and commentator, and she's gone through cancer. And, um, you know, one of my objectives and goals is always try and grow the game of volleyball and, you know, have dreams and achieve those dreams. And she's had a lot of dreams and goals along her way. And, you know, she still made the comment that, you know, hey, people ask her, why, why do you still do sports like volleyball and gymnastics? And, you know, when you're doing you know, when you're doing basketball and football and all this stuff. And she says, because I owe it to those, those females and athletes where I was, I want to aspire to do something else. And those sports are going to be significant um, as we go forward. And, and I owe it to those girls that are working their butts off like everybody else in the country to be the best at what they're doing. And uh, I just love her message and her. She, you know, hasn't changed a whole lot. And she's gained a lot of fame and notoriety and always has time for others. And uh, those are a few things that kind of come across my mind when you ask, but uh, um, a lot of interesting stuff. You can get, you can dive into a lot of different directions right now with all this time, though. Absolutely. You know, one of the things, and I'd like to hear your thought as well. Um, you know, kind of what you were saying that you kind of have to make that time um, to maybe be alone and do something to grow as an individual, whether that be reading or playing the piano. You know. For me, and I, I don't read books, I really enjoy listening to audiobooks and podcasts. And I always used to do that on my car ride into work and my car ride home from work, which is now I live just north of Lexington in Georgetown. So it's about a 20 to 30 minute drive, depending on how traffic is. And I would get so much information during that, that, short, that short time. Uh, I would either be chipping away at chapters on a book or listening to a podcast that is just part of my routine, but developing a routine for myself now that I'm at home, um, I don't really have that time. Um, it, it's something that I've had to adjust to and I'm still trying to work through all that. Um, have you had the same struggle or, or, or have you, you know, mesh in pretty well with this life and just making time to to grow as a leader and as a as a coach it's been a little bit more difficult because you know there's five of us in the house and you know there's people coming and going and you know into rooms and out of rooms and so you know really finding the the space to to do that um i, I think has been a little bit more of a challenge you know even as small a thing as when you know three or four years ago i just made the decision you know we're gonna I'm going to make our bed every day or Megan's going to make our bed every day. Just that one little task that makes you feel like you accomplished something already. And our program has talked about little things like that, but I've still been able to, you know, either walking or, or I like to run. My space is running. I just go out and run for probably 30 minutes or so. And I've, another book I've been listening to that a friend of mine, Coach Rosenthal Lipscomb recommended. It was the ride of a lifetime by Bob Iger, who, you know, led, led Disney for years and years, a lot of good messages in that and storylines in that, but definitely still able to find the time. But like you said, it's, it's a little bit more of a challenge. So either having to get up earlier in the day or just removing yourself and going outside and uh, going for a walk or run, I think is probably the easiest way when, when you have a family five in here, but um, certainly not as easy, but I agree with you. I think a routine is really important because it allows you to prioritize things and allows you to, you know, find that time to, to get a little bit better. And, um, you know, I, I feel like if, if you and I and other people involved with our players are asking all these things of our team and 
time and commitment and effort and all those things. If we're not doing the same thing, then we're not modeling championship behaviors. We're not modeling leadership. And I think that's one of the most critical things about leadership. You have to model things that you want out of players. And so learning and trying to get a little bit better each and every day is one of the easiest ways you can do that. Absolutely. Really good thought. Last question I have for you, and I don't know if I've ever asked you this, but when you got on campus in 2004 or 2005, did you have hair? <laughs> I had more hair than I have right now. How about that? Is that a good <laughs> answer? <laughs> no, not really. <laughs> See, when I first got on campus, I had a long hair, almost to the point where Steph was going to make me cut it just because it was too long, and now you and I are in the same boat. So. <laughs> what college athletics will do to you it just gets in the way I mean it's just one <laughs> last thing to do in the morning to to, to get going <laughs> and you know one thing you know hair salons and barber shops are closed now and I know some people are really worried about that I had a buddy my buddy Thomas uh, sent me a picture of him trying to cut his own hair and it was just awful but <laughs> you know a lot of bad things in this world but you got to find the good and you know being bald ain't, ain't too bad during these times <laughs> This is true. We'll chalk it up for us. Yep. That's one win for the ball guys. <laughs> well, Craig, thank you so much for being on the podcast. We appreciate your insight. Um, thank you so much for taking the time. Uh, if you guys have any questions for us, any comments, feedback, please feel free to email us at ukstrength at uky.edu. Once again, that's ukstrength at uky.edu.